0: Good morning Church family, we turn this morning to Psalm 126 and before we do that, before we read together from Psalm 126, let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to help us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege of being able to gather around your word. We don't take it for granted. And as we study your word, we ask you to quieten our hearts and our minds to help us hear your voice. And we ask you in the person of the Holy Spirit to enable us when we've heard your voice to obey it. We ask all this for your name's sake. Amen. Let's read together Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This is the word of the Lord. So for the next two Sundays, I would like us to pause on our series in the Gospel of Luke. We have been in this Luke's Gospel for a couple of months now. But as we begin the year, I'd like us just to pause and seek God's will for us in the year ahead. I'd like us to get the sense of what it is that that God wants us to do as we navigate our way through year 2021. we we recognize that we are stepping into a new year at the back of rather a strange and difficult year. Therefore, the fears and anxieties that we struggled with in year 2020 have not mysteriously vanished. No, on the contrary, they are still with us. So what I'm hoping to do this morning in light of that context is to remind us of our identity to remind us that we are a church of God that we are a community of faith therefore we are a people belonging to God and good news to this is that this God which we belong to is the one who holds the future it is good it is a good thing for us For those of us who are in the church to stop, especially as we begin the year, to stop and reflect on what it means to be part of the church. To think both individually and corporately what it all means to be part of God's people. What's my part in all of this? How important an aspect of my life in all of this. Because I believe it is out of knowing the truth about what it means to belong to God that we can rise and step up, that we can have confidence to face the year ahead. Now, to help us to get a sense of what God wants us to do and hear, as we navigate our way through this year, we turn to Psalm 126. It is a lovely song of the Old Testament Church. It belongs to a beautiful group of psalms called the 15 songs of Ascent. They begin from Psalm 120 through to Psalm 134. It was sung on a journey to Jerusalem during the time of pilgrim feast and harvest. A psalm helps us to reflect on a God who delivers and restores. A God who puts things right and does great things. A God who is able to replace tears with laughter. A God who promises that a hard sowing will be compensated with an abundant reaping. This is a God we want to do business with as we begin the year 2020. This is a God we cannot face 2021 without him next to us or going before us and making our way clear. We need him right close to us as we make our way into this unfamiliar territory. So the Psalm 121, 126 is short and beautifully crafted. It is encouraging and yet wonderfully realistic. And that's something also important for us to think about because Often, as the people of God, we think to have faith means to be a denialist, to deny the realities that we find ourselves around, surrounded with. But instead, to be to have faith, it means to trust the Lord against the circumstances in which we find ourselves, despite of the circumstances. Despite of what we see, we choose to trust the Lord. So Psalm 126 is the best place to come to because it is like a tonic to our tired arms and tired legs. It is a tonic to our tired minds and tired souls. It is a psalm that enlarges our vision for God and affirm our commitment to serve him. And I want to suggest four themes that are held carefully together in balance here in Psalm 126. And we're going to have time only for two of these four themes this morning and we'll pick up the rest in the following Sunday. The first one is there in verses one three, and I have called it memory and hope. The background to Psalm 126 is the exile where the people of God were taken to captive to Babylon. And during this time, they had to learn hard lessons. And here in Psalm 126, the, the, the people of God have experienced restoration after 70 years of being strangers in a strange land of being stripped off their true identity and culture where they were wondering where is god and what is he doing in all of this it feels good to have re- to experience restoration because it reminds them that god has not lost His power after all. God is still there. He is still at work. And there is a bit of a dream coming true quality about this. Verses 1 tells us we were like those who dreamed. It is a reminder that the people of God were not prisoners of history. Therefore they don't need to adopt a victim mentality kind of an attitude. They are back in Zion. They are more than conquerors. And they stand tall again in their true identity and dignity. They are back at home in the place God had always intended for them. And for us too, as we look back, remembering what God has done for us, how he has delivered us, how he had rescued us, and how he had preserved us in our own difficult times. Surely we also discover afresh the power of hope. Of course, our captivity and exile is not a physical one, is not a geographical one. No, it is a spiritual one. Yet we still need God's rescue, and if we are children of God, we have experienced this rescue. We know what it is to be rescued and be delivered and be preserved by God. We know it at first hand, and yet we continue to need to need it. Now, in verses two of our Psalm, we see how the people of God have responded to this rescue. It's beautiful. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. And as you read those words of The psalmist expressing how the people of God responded to God's rescue. How much of that depth and reality of God's rescuing work, how much do you feel that on this side of the cross? How much of it is personal to you? The psalmist here is pointing us to the explosion of joy. He piles up term upon terms to convey something of the fullness of joy and hope in a God who restores. There is laughter and there is genuine delight. The psalmist wants to tell us that we should be the people doing the laughing. Instead of being afraid to be laughed at. He wants to remind us that it is okay to feel something about being a Christian. He wants to remind us that there is an explosion of joy. And my first question to you this morning is, is this us? Is this you? Is this you and I? Are we the people who personally and collectively who says the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy? Are we the people who are full of this explosion of joy? And I want to suggest that we need urgently to be a group group of gospel astonished people. To be a group of people who are surprised by joy, who are surprised by hope, as we remember what the Lord has done in the past. We need to be a people who know that there is something to be happy about. There is something to have joy about. And ultimately, this is where the motivation to serve the Lord, to serve in the church life, will emerge from. As we remember that we are a people who have experienced God's rescue. We are a people who have experienced God's deliverance. Therefore, we have new identity. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. That's where our service to the Lord and to the church should emerge from. But all our doing and our effort should emerge from this wonderful status. Therefore, we need to be a people who wake up every morning and say, I am redeemed. I can't believe that I am one of God's children. I can't believe that God has placed his love on me. I can't believe that God has called me to his work. Of course, my life and work is not always easy, but I am redeemed. The relationships with people around me don't always work as they should, but I am redeemed. Yes, I live in a broken world that doesn't operate as intended, yet I know that I am redeemed. Yes, I face personal and ministry disappointments almost every day of the week, but I am redeemed. I am made alive in Christ Jesus. That should be you and I, That should be where our desire to serve the Lord emerge from. It should emerge from this wonderful status, from knowing what God has done for us. And therefore, we we want to serve Him. The psalmist goes further, that as we live as the people who are gospel astonished, that there is a missional edge to that kind of living. And the world that is watching us, the world around us, will, cannot miss this. That's what verses 2 tells us. It was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. You see, God expects his marvelous work of rescue to be seen in us. And therefore, he wants us to live as people whose lives is filled with joy. And as we live that kind of life, the world around us will testify and say, the Lord has done great things for them. So that's how the psalm starts this beautiful psalm. He starts, it with, he starts it with an exercise of memory, calling, recalling how God has done great things for us in the past. It is a call to thankful remembering, remembering what God has done in the past in our lives and in the life of the church. And we therefore are to say, the Lord has done great things for us. Now, the second little heading, which is held carefully in this psalm, I have called it "God's work and ours," and we find it there in verses four. Here, the psalm moves from the past to the present. He moves from what will will it be look will, will it be like, which is the question about the future hope and he moves to what it is like what it is like now which is the question of today the psalmist does something that look a bit strange for us you see because he celebrates and yet he prays for restoration he celebrates the restoration and he prays for it Verses 1 and verses 4, restore our fortunes, O Lord. In verses 1, he celebrates this restoration, but in verses 4, he prays for it. On the one hand, it has happened, and on the other, we still need this restoration. This is what we call the already and the not yet kind of life. And there is always that balance in the life of the church. There is the the already and the not yet. And we know both. We have experienced his rescuing power, but we continue to experience it. And this is why we need it. This is why we need his grace. This is why we we need his mercy every day. And this is important for us to pause for a moment. You see, because every church that has experienced and known the favor of God is tempted to believe that we've done enough. It's tempted to believe that we are getting it right. All will be well. But we know well enough. That in a generation, a congregation, a mission society can lose its way and sink back into captivity. The church or a mission society can become dull and not able to transform its culture. It can lose its identity and lose the presence of the living God. And the people of God knows that danger too well, and therefore they cannot contain themselves. And so here in verses four, they are praying, they are bursting out in prayer, and they're not praying just little prayers, they're praying big prayers. A prayer for the whole people of God. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams. The Negev. This is a prayer for the fresh flooding of God in a barren land. For the fresh flooding of God in our church today as we begin the year 2021. To pray this fresh flooding of God. To pray that the Holy Spirit might work in our church. And here, as we pray, as we we follow the psalmist, I want to ask you, is this your prayer for the church? Is this your prayer for our church as we begin 2021? Are you praying this kind of prayer, that God's fresh flood of grace will be known by us? Oh, yes, we can plan and market, which we should and we must. But only God can grow a church. Only God can bring about life. Only God can open the eyes of people. Only God can refresh our church and renew us. And that is both a comfort and a challenge because it challenges us to turn to him in prayer and ask him to restore our fortune. So this is not only a matter of strategy and attractive programs which are necessary, but it is a matter of God sweeping through our tiredness and coming in in a mighty way, bringing in a new life, a new energy and joy Are you praying for that? Prayer for our church. That God in his power will break through. We need to be a people of prayer. That's what the second point teaches us. So verses verses 1 and verses 3 of Psalm 126, the psalmist is calling us to thankful remembrance. And here in verses 4, he is calling us to passionate prayer. God's work and our work. God needs you and I to participate in in seeing his glory coming back to the church. In seeing his new life flooding back to the church. May I ask you this year, to be a people of prayer, to pray for our church, to pray that God will open our eyes to see what it is that He is calling us to do in our church here in East London, here in 2021. And let's pray together. Restore our fortunes of O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Father, we ask you to stay our hearts up, to help us to be people who are weeping for the lost, who are weeping to see your presence back in the church, who are weeping to see your glory back in the church. Will you renew that hunger in us? We pray, O Lord Almighty. Amen.